podcast series will be speaking to industry leaders from various business verticals and understand their approach towards marketing and growth. We'll be focusing on key aspects like customer acquisition, retention, engagement, personalization, among others, and provide key insights to our community of marketers and product owners. This is your opportunity to learn and emulate these learnings in your campaigns and marketing initiatives to churn exceptional results. Hey everyone, welcome to Growth Maestro's podcast and I'm your host Rajashi. Acquisition or retention, what should be your organization's growth level? We are back with the age-old debate, but we'll peel back the layers with a new approach. Should brands focusing on one-time purchase still prioritize retention over acquisition? What should you prioritize if you're running on a constant budget? What are the blockers to prioritizing retention and what impact does it have on acquisition as a channel, customer acquisition cost and pricing strategy? To help us answer these questions and to look at retention acquisition angle from an expert lens, we have with us today Abhishek Patil, who handles growth and product at Cred and is also the co-founder of GrowthX. How are you doing, Abhishek? Hey, Raj. I'm doing all right. I'm doing great. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you, Abhishek. Uh, So, Abhishek, why don't you share a brief uh, look into your background for our audiences? uh, And if you could give us a little insight into what you do at Cred, and if you also want to talk about GrowthX as well. And uh, it would be really wonderful if you could share an interesting use case that you have resolved in the past or are currently resolving and are very proud of. Got it, got it. Yeah, I I think uh, my journey started with an ad agency. Uh, I was working with Sokrati way back 2017-16 and uh, moved on to Bangalore, tried uh, dabbling into multiple startups, uh, joined Dunzo, uh, figured out the user growth there, worked with the interesting team there, had an interesting learning curve, solved for demand supply mismatch and the whole marketplace model. Uh, moved on to Cred and uh, currently handles digital uh, acquisition and a bunch of things and product, uh, specifically on the web product. Uh, yeah, that's that's largely that. Uh, and uh, I also do this thing with Udayan uh, 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 at GrowthX, which is uh, essentially we're trying to create a community of product marketers, product managers, early stage founders, and some interesting people who really want to solve growth problems, uh, typically trying to upskill them and become a growth team. Uh, and if you can add more value and keep on adding more value to them with community. So yeah, these are cohort based uh, conversations, but uh, the community angle has really kicked in and helping people solve growth problems at their own startups. Awesome. Um, Abhishek, I think you have explained quite a bit uh, into the initial starting of GrowthX and what you guys, you and Udayan are doing. And I have a couple of friends who have been speaking really highly about the course. Um, so kudos on that. And maybe we could talk about that in a few bits and parts throughout the throughout the discussion if you want to share some insights from um, the GrowthX cohorts, anything of that sort. Um, so brilliant, brilliant work there. Uh, but Abhishek, before we get down to the brass tacks, just curious to know, is there any productivity hack that you have picked up during the quarantine and uh, still a lot of people are working from home so there is uh, the lines between professional and personal life are getting blurred increasingly so is there anything which is keeping you um, on track anything that you would like to share with our audience today yeah i think uh, uh, it's n- nothing new but i think just plain simple documentation uh, i think that has really helped uh, over communicate and solve a lot of things when you're working remote uh, and just another productivity hack personally is pick one thing a week that will impact uh, your North Star metric. 
uh, because I work mostly at Grotex on and on at Cred on growth metrics. So okay. I'll just say, okay, this is this is one thing that's gonna move uh, the model by ten percent or five percent, and uh, should it deserve all my time? And then I just go and do it. So yeah, that has quite uh, worked quite well in the last uh, few months. Awesome, awesome. Something simple that's but something that works. Um, I think that's the mantra with most of the things in life as well as uh, growth. I believe so. Uh, that's that's really great to hear. Um, all right, Abhishek. Then let's jump right into it. Um, it. It is pretty well known that acquisition is more expensive, right? Almost five times as expensive as retaining an existing customer, and it also has proven to have a better impact on ROI with a five percent increase in retention, translating to about seventy-five percent increase in profitability. Uh, not to mention retained happy customers act as brand evangelists recommending and referring your product. But despite all that, studies find that 44% of companies focus more on customer acquisition versus 18% that focus on retention. Why do you think that is, Abhishek? And uh, what have you observed in your experience that you can identify as blockers or sort of friction points to this uh, whole situation? Yeah, this is like pretty classical, right? Uh, pick any any tech product, any startup, any mature, uh, any scaling stage uh, product, you will find this. Uh, and there'll be very few products which will actually focus on retention versus acquisition. Uh, and my short answer, I have short answer and a long one. I'll go with the short one first. Uh, yeah. The shorter one is essentially it's easy. It's easy to just acquire customers and, uh, you know, uh, show you grow growth in the shorter term, the quarter or half yearly, whatever that is, right? But it's a really, really, really hard to move any retention metric. Moving retention on a M6 month six level by a percent is like an insane win if you have uh, millions of users, right? Uh, also, retention actions are typically a bunch of levers, right? So it's not just one thing. It's a combination of things. So that's hard. Uh, also, I feel uh, if you if you divide this question and ask this question to something like a bootstrapped startup versus a funded startup, what you'll realize is the funded startup will always have a goal, right? And the goal will define what the next rounds of funding. So businesses that essentially require external capital to grow, they will have higher pressure to grow. And they will, of course, want to optimize for raise also, right? So they will focus on something that's possible in the quarter. Uh, but in the longer term, retention is like the, you know, the smaller increment, which will continuously sustain. So I think that's what I have observed in like whatever amount of people I've spoken in my life, plus the startups that I worked at. Uh, but I genuinely feel that now it is changing because I see that changing and focus largely on retention. And if a retention holds true, even at least a flattening curve, only then companies are scaling up. Also, companies just now started looking at, um, you know, ideal customer level cohorts. So that's an another interesting point that they are starting to look at. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's changing. But uh, again, it's a tip of the iceberg and not really for I can't talk about every startup or every product company out there. But yeah, it's definitely changing and it's a positive sign. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, you bring up very valid points in terms of um, um, how how the retention level is just one of them like there are multiple different levels connected to it and of course like things are changing in um, in, in the future and that's a really good sign uh, so you know uh, moving on in terms of uh, what what we have observed or what we have generally observed in the market as well is that you know businesses that depend on subscription fees or repeat purchases uh, some sort of repeat transactions prioritize bulk of their efforts on retaining users right uh, but like like i mentioned uh, before i even started um, you know discussing a couple of these things 
is that brands which focus on large one-time customer purchases rather than repeat transactions. Uh, for them, does it still make sense to go ahead with acquisition as the go-to growth driver or does it still make sense to consider retention as an equally important lever? Yeah, very valid question. Uh, it's an interesting one for sure, Raj. Uh, I would say, hmm, let me take an example. So yeah. let's take jeevansathi.com, okay? And mm -hmm. let's take something like Paytm. Now, uh, what's the natural frequency? Like the naturally user will come and transact with you. For Jeevansathi, for most of the users, it will be once in lifetime, right? Yeah. Uh, let's hope so. Uh, and for Paytm, it will be daily uh, uh, because it's a P2P plus a P2M plus I think there's hundreds of things in Paytm now. Uh, but what I what I mean by this is you need to look at two things. First is do you have enough number of customers or target customers in the market? So are you in a space where you have a lot of customers and their natural frequency is one or two in their lifetime? If that's the case, then yeah, matlab, you you are in the business of the mass whales, right? You are essentially acquiring at rocket speeds and then churning at rocket speeds because there is there is like a lot of customers, right? And if you can acquire those customers at low cost, right? So that your CAC versus revenue, the LTV sounds good. Mm -hmm. But if you're not in that domain, then it's tougher, right? Because then you are working in a limited market and then you're trying to acquire everyone and then, you know, not retain. Right. And uh, if you add a combination of network effect businesses, uh, if you if you don't if you can't retain those users, it will start causing negative network effect, and that will impact all of your referral everything. Right? It's word of mouth, uh, a good recommendation. It will impact if it's B two B. It will impact your G two crowd ratings and all that. Right? right. So uh, it can definitely be a lever for something like Jeevan Sati, but really really hard uh, for something which is high frequency product or something that they typically use. So from a subscription perspective, if it's a monthly subscription, high frequency, long term, you cannot have acquisition as the sole thing. You need to have retention uh, and focus more on uh, focus more on what your target audience is, what's your costs are, and then how does retention tie to referral if it if it does, and specifically for network businesses. Right. Right. I think a uh, really good example of Jeevan Sati versus, you know, something as uh, as as daily use as Paytm. Um, of course, the bill payments and the P2P lending as well. Um, I, I think the, I could not have used a better example than that. So uh, really well done there, Abhishek. You know, speaking yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, I just getting engaged last week. So that's just uh, naturally coming to me now. <laughs> Congratulations on uh, getting engaged, uh, Abhishek. Um, hope you like... Uh, wish you all the best for the future. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let's get let's get yeah. to it again. Yeah. So you know, coming back to the costs, I think uh, since you mentioned about the customer acquisition costs and the LTV as well. So if if say I'm I work at an organization where marketing dollars um, at my disposal are limited, right, and my organization's budget is also constrained, uh, what do you suggest? Should I focus more on? Um, also, acquisition campaigns show very quick results in terms of growth in metrics, like you just mentioned. If you want to look at the M6 metrics, or if you want to look at any sort of vanity metrics, which which they are in all probability, right? Um, so while retention campaigns yield higher ROI, it takes time to show the results. Um, how do you think a marketer like myself who works at an organization, just as a use case where my uh, marketing dollars at my disposal are very limited, how do you think I can convince my team of prioritizing retention over acquisition in such a scenario it's an interesting question raj uh, i think every pm on growth every vp of growth every cxo level person struggle this founder struggles early stage founders struggle this question with investors right uh, 
I think it's a it's a it's a simple one though. Uh, what you can just look at is something like quick ratio. So what quick ratio does? Uh, I think the Wall Street folks will know quick ratio and they use it daily. But you could definitely use that on tech products and figure out. So quick ratio is essentially is the ratio of positive sum by negative sum, right? So right. positive sum is people who you acquired and people who you resurrected, right? That's the total summation. So let's say you acquired ten new customers and then you resurrected ten customers. But at the same time, you lost five, or let's say you lost ten customers in the same period. Let's take a month, right? So you added ten, you resurrected ten, and you lost ten. That's been twenty by ten. So your quick ratio is two. Now, if your quick ratio is higher than one, that means you are growing overall, right? But if your quick ratio is less than one, that means you are degrowing. So if you just think about uh, a, a time period of say three months or four months. And then say, oh, I acquired say hundred thousand users, but hey, at the same time I churned two hundred thousand users, so I have a point five as a uh, as the quick ratio. So uh, as you said, right, it's very vanity because acquisition numbers show up quickly, and we try to constantly chase them. Just look at quick ratio, and then if you look at quick ratio, the team will realize that even if you are adding so many customers, it's not adding up to the business in the right. longer term. So uh, that's just a quick way to look at. Also. Just being honest with in in team, uh, having the right kind of OKR structure really helps uh, follow this in the companies that I have worked at. So the incentives of the team members in the growth team should be really aligned uh, on what numbers should be chased and why. So if that is sorted, you will never have the fight between acquisition and retention because then everything will go hand in hand. Right, right. I think um, really good insights in terms of the whole ratio. But um, if you could elaborate a little more on the on, on on the team collaboration part, because this is something that we hear on a pretty regular basis, right? Um, how do you build a growth team from the scratch? How do you uh, inculcate that growth sort of mindset and everyone is aligned to the same uh, pretty much organizational goal or the North Star metric, like you mentioned earlier? So, uh, is is there anything that you have observed uh, working across multiple different organizations from startup to well-established ones? Right, um, where you have worked and managed uh, growth teams. So, uh, is there any sort of go-to um, um, go-to approach to you know building this sort of uh, alignment within um, the growth and the product teams? Got it. Got it. So, uh, uh, by the way, Raj, we talk a lot about growth teams, even how processes to be built, which kind of people to be hired, how to onboard growth team, how to scale growth team at GrowthX boot camps. Uh, and we do that over a stretch and we actually help people experience that in the capstone projects. So that's something that uh, listeners would find interesting. Uh, just from my experience right so far on building growth teams, what has helped is there are four core pillars, product managers, marketers, there's an analyst and there's typically a full stack engineer, right? Uh, what what essentially has, uh, has been my experience is the Indian ecosystem is slightly, uh, slightly new to this, let's call it that, right? Uh, and they find this team to be uh, overlapping with marketing and product, right? They don't really understand uh, why why this team should exist in the first place. The reason here is uh, there are a lot of teams in uh, typical tech products, first being product. Uh, a lot of times the prioritization is driven by product in, in, in most of the organizations, right? Yeah. And because of engineering bandwidth and hundreds of other reasons, right? But how I have figured out solving this is pick a North Star metric for the whole organization, yeah. right? Uh, let's say you pick revenue. Every backend engineer, every product manager, every marketer, every frontend engineer, every designer, everything that they do, they should have a number for every month on how much they are going to contribute to that number. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you do this, you essentially are making the whole conversation objective because you're saying, oh, should we pick this project? The my North Star metric will change by X. And if I pick the other one, I will have X minus one, whatever that is. This will create like a prioritization framework. Now you'll say, Abhishek, yeah, that's all good on paper and it, it hardly gets followed, but that's the job of the growth lead, right? That is the job that the VP of growth will sign up for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the second thing is the hygiene piece. So the hygiene piece won't come in this prioritization, like the tech debt or like the smaller pieces, customer escalation support and all those flows there, all that thing that has to be built, even marketing automations, all of this, right? This is very secondary. So that will not have a, this prioritization that will have a different prioritization because they might not impact the metric, but they're essential to run smoothly for the business. I, I hope I was able to answer that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so just just want to, um, you know, maybe touch upon one particular thing. So um, this is for like a company where you have like clearly defined teams, right? You have like a growth team with the VP of growth coming in and managing the entire thing and, you know, setting up those uh, the different metrics aligned to the North Star one. Um, and, and so that everyone starting from the product team to the designers, just like you mentioned, um, follow the entire thing and aligned completely in the organization from the top to bottom, right? Uh, so w- what about these smaller organizations um, uh, where, where they do not have the luxury or could not afford like the entire, um, you know, gamut of different offerings uh, in terms of having a distinct product team with a VP of growth coming and managing all of those things. So uh, w- what, do, what would you suggest for them um, in, in terms of a team which is very smaller size or very, uh, maybe a bootstrap startup for that, for that matter? Yeah, Raj, that's like, that's like a typical question I get at GrowthX uh, from early stage founders. You're like, Abhishek, this is all hunky-dory and you're telling all this structure. I have five people in my team. Tell me how to get it done, right? Uh, and uh, the, my answer simply is then the founder is the, 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 the growth guy, right? Like that growth right. person. Uh, and uh, he or she literally have to figure this out from the current team. Uh, you absolutely, absolutely need a full stack engineer in the team, right? There's no second thoughts about it. And you absolutely need a data analyst. There is, if you are a five, five, five person company, you one person should be a data analyst or like a good insights person, right? Uh, and then you also need a designer. Like these are like non-negotiables, right? Because what will end up happening is you like think about it, right? Like a, like a product lead or a growth lead thinks about a hypothesis from a user calling or past funnel data or a competitor data. And then he or she is hypothesizing uh, and trying to put together an experiment. But if you can't execute and measure that experiment, there's no point in like building a new product again or building new features. So what I'm saying is for an early stage founder, it's super important to hire that interesting journal, like the generalist people uh, who are super eager and they want to experiment a lot. So that's the kind of team that you would hire. You will not hire like a specialist team at the start, but people who are good at numbers, people who are good at like the engineer is specific, uh, but everyone else can have wear multiple hats. So that's how I think about it. Uh, I also understand that getting such kind of people uh, is truly, truly difficult, specifically in India. Uh, but I think that's the problem statement we are trying to solve at GrowthX and we are trying to c- create that new breed of growth teams. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what the that's what could be the solution to this of course i have never worked on a team which is less than say 40 uh, i have always got in because always i get hired in companies where they want to they are ready for scaling they typically have raised funding and they now want to scale uh, and that's where i come in but uh, here's here are my two cents what uh, could possibly help right right 
absolutely uh, so for our listeners who are listening in today and uh, we spoke about growth x a little and you know uh, abhishek has been mentioning uh, that about time to time you guys can go ahead and check it out um, i leave the link uh, below in the in, in the description so that you guys can check them out um, really well recommended and um, and and a brilliant program set up by both abhishek and udayan um, so and and i'm sure all of the group budding growth managers or the growth and product people will really appreciate the kind of effort that abhishek and udayan have put together um that's great abhishek so let, uh, moving on you know um, before we move on to the next question i know i have been lingering on this one for uh, for quite a while uh, just one one last thing and then we'll move on um you know uh, you mentioned about you know the larger uh, larger team you know aligning to the goals of the nostra metric and uh, so, so for someone as uh, as as uh, not really like extremely connected to the to the to the whole situation like say for example a design team um where their um, you know inputs might impact or will definitely impact the the, the larger goals but um, it's it's not very well defined for them right like say if they, if they turn out a creative uh, if if i'm talking about a graphics uh, person or if i'm talking about a ui ux person and this one small change can impact a lot of different things on in terms of acquisition or in terms of onboarding um so uh, how do you think they, those goals should define should be defined for those teams which are not very actively involved in the whole process of um you know growth and product but are as equal a uh, part as any sure i think uh, raj i'm going to actually touch on an interesting topic which is which typically happens in uh, a bunch of product companies is you build a growth team and then every other team feels like growth is job of just that team right, right. Uh, and uh, that's what your question also says right like i have a design team how do i convince them to change the screen or <laughs> build this graphic i know i i can feel your trouble right uh, what you essentially do is again like i'm i'm trying to become that uh, that old age uncle now uh, <laughs> repeating it for the second time which is the okr structure right uh, uh, designers also need to sign up with co okrs on growth right so for example if you have a designer who works with an onboarding product manager the designer will also sign up for improvements in funnels right so if you somebody is working with say a ads team right a marketing ads team so they also have to sign up for the ctr metric or click to sign up metric right or click to purchase metric uh, and they need to work with the person who has the main okr as that metric and make sure that the person succeed and you tie all of these incentives in your company uh, to this okr right so somebody hits their okr they should be you know the incentivized somebody does not hit the okr yeah their team is not incentivized so as a team they have all the right guardrails to actually make the team successful than just making than just designers being just i have shipped this design and now it's your trouble right then then we, what we are saying is i want to get married but yeah when the kid happens i i i i can't spend time on the kid that's that's how it is sounds like Yeah, I think that's a very good analogy there, Abhishek. And um, you know, um, in 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 terms of fostering the 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 ability to take charge and take accountability for the kind of work and not just be done and ship it across. Um, yeah. So as as a follow up to the uh, to the last question, which we have discussed about you know building these sort of uh, um, how how do you, how do you make your team um, aligned to the larger organization goals and the Nostra metric and how do you how do you convince your team to prioritize retention over acquisition? As a follow up to that, um, how do you think retention is inherently tied down to acquisition and how does uh, having a bang on retention tactic affect your acquisition as a channel or the customer acquisition cost and the the whole ltb debate that uh, we we were discussing a while back and also the pricing strategy 
Got it. I think uh, this question is typically like, uh, there are a lot of questions you are asking Raj in one question. Uh, but I'll take the first part of the question, which is yeah. how do you think retention, like what you essentially said is how is retention inherently tied to acquisition, right? right. That's the question. Right. Uh, I'll give you another analogy, right? Uh, yeah. You walk into a bar and uh, you see this beautiful person of the opposite gender and uh, you're like, okay, uh, I want to get married to this person, right? That's how customers feel when they are not onboarded correctly or they are the wrong customers and you show a pricing page to them, right? That's exactly how they feel like, right? So uh, when you walk into a bar, you see the opposite person and you will offer them a drink. That's onboarding, right? That's onboarding. Now, if you offering the drink to the wrong person, that means you have figured, you have not figured out your target audience, right? You have not figured out your ideal customer, right? So you're like, you know what your levels are to approach another person. I, I won't go into the details, but uh, you will approach person like that, right? right and right. that's what acquisition team's job is. So if you don't find the right person and if you still send the drink, it's not going to be a marriage down the line six months or one year, right? What it's going to do is you're going to waste money. That's what happens typically when teams uh, send a lot of customers and acquisition teams typically send a lot of signups, but the onboarding doesn't happen. Now think about it. If you did the first date right, it will have second, third, fourth, fifth date. Then you will have a serious date. Then you will introduce your parents. Then you'll have marriage, right? Then you'll have kids. Right. The same impact, the same effect happens on products, right? What you essentially are doing is the onboarding's job is to give the users the core value prop as soon as possible, right? A lot of products just focus on doing the first action. The first action is not important. Like uh, you mentioned about subscription businesses few minutes back, right? A lot of businesses track how many new customers signed up and subscribed. My point is why are you stopping at subscribe? You should talk about what's the core value prop. Did the user get the core value prop and are they constantly using the product before the next subscription hits? And what is the difference between, uh, uh, what is the difference between somebody who resubscribed and who did not resubscribe? Right. I think there will be hundreds of insights there from a persona and the actions on the product level. But yeah, that's that's how uh, the relationship example I put in, into acquisition, onboarding and retention. Uh, and that's how I think about it. Right. Right. So for anyone who has just, um, you know, uh, just just started listening to the discussion and is that that uh, is that exactly this point? Um, yeah, we, we are having a discussion about retention and uh, acquisition. Not <laughs> Raj is clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh yeah but i think uh really really good uh again um, uh, very very good analogy there and i think uh it, it's clearly evident that you have gotten engaged very recently and uh <laughs> you know uh, these these examples are uh in line with that but yeah i think uh it's a perfect example to make someone understand uh, you know the relationship between uh, retention and acquisition as a as a channel and the impact that it has. Uh, so, you know, um, uh, just, just following up on that, uh, um, could you could you talk about um, onboarding a little because that is something that we ju just discussed. Um, and, and it's also one of the biggest reasons for increasing churn and re reducing reduction, you know, retention. Um, um, with, how does one go about resolving these onboarding problems, so to speak? Got it. Got it. So uh, Raj, actually, I wrote like a like a detailed post on LinkedIn a few weeks back on how do you solve any problem, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the key thing is understand the difference, right? How do you understand differences, understand somebody who signs up 
and does not make the first activation event, what's the difference between their persona? What's the difference between, so persona is like demographic, spending patterns, other apps they use, other apps they subscribe, are they married, do they have kids, uh, what are they spending on and stuff like that, right? Also, right. what uh, what essentially was the acquisition channel, that's, that's second, and third, what was the marketing pitch that they were acquired from, okay? And was that marketing pitch solved for once they onboarded on the product, okay? Right. So that's about the user, right? Yeah, but the second part is, what were their actions on the product? So somebody who did the first activation event and did it again, uh, what's the difference between this, the the second and third order level uh, events that they did? So if you are a if you're a mobile app, you look at events, and if you're a website, you look at the page le page level stuff, right? Yeah. And what is the difference? You will hundred percent find out that there is some extra actions. There are two three other actions that they do or don't do before they do that activation event, right? And that's what you need to figure out in onboarding. Also onboarding, if you just Google search and how do you solve onboarding problem, you will see tons and tons and tons of content written on how do you onboard and how do you optimize design? Right. I think design of course is super important, right? Uh, it's I think 40% job, but the 60% job is also understanding why, why the user has come and what the user want and how are they getting it, right? So all right. three questions have to be answered and then of course you sit with design and constantly iterate, right? But a lot of them people just jump on changing screens and changing buttons and colors and whatnot. I think yeah. that's, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, it might work for somebody who's like, who knows why the users are not onboarding. But uh, for most, like most people like me, I would go ahead and look at acquisition data and then look at difference and then only even, even write the first PRD to change anything in onboarding. Right. Right. I think, and especially um, the angle that you bring in, you know, in terms of understanding the user behavior and understanding the problem and the, and the pain points that they're facing and based on that, you know, go ahead and sit with your design team and change that. That is very, very important. And I think that also happens to be one of your 40, if I'm not wrong, you know, in terms of understanding the consumer behavior and how it impacts, you know, your product at, at various different levels. Overall insight, not just specific to onboarding, um, you know, in terms of at any point of developing a product or even at the product market fit uh, stage, maybe not that uh, far behind, but, um, you know, if uh, whenever you are talking about marketing a product or whenever talking about creating or, you know, um, solving for the user needs, how important is it, you know, to consider not just, uh, not just the data points that you have, but also understand the consumer behavior much more from a psychological point of view, user psych, if that's the term to use here. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Uh, we typically, and you mentioned about product market fit, right? I'll give an example of how data can fool you, right? Uh, uh, you you actually, let's say, let's assume that we launch a product. Let's we launch a email marketing tool. Let's take MailChimp or whatever. Take a take a random tool, right? That we launch just that just sends emails, right? Uh, now you go into market and say that, oh, I'll offer this at ten dollars a month, and uh, you do a user survey. And you say that, oh, cool, I have so many customers that are ready to pay because it's cheaper than the current versions. But you actually launch the product. And then when consumers come, what they say is not what they do. Right? right. So by number, if you look at that your user survey, you will realize, oh, everyone said yes at $10. And they're even happy to put that money in. Right. So if you uh, you, you ask them to put pre-orders, for example, mm -hmm. right, or like a wait list. They start right. using the product and then they realize that they want all the features of a $300 product. Right. Now what you essentially lacked is you tried, you did not try to ask the qualitative questions, which is 
the open-ended questions on why you use that tool and why you will just look at the cost because I just pitched you a $10. These are very open questions. So what happens Raj is, uh, and by the way, I, I have applied this to Growthex also, which is we also do quantitative feedbacks. And then I sit with 30 people from every cohort and I spend one hour with them each. Right. And I ask them if you wanted to disrupt this product, what would you do? Right. And that's the kind of insights that you want. You do not want the type forms uh, summary list. That's, <laughs> that's a lazy work. I would say. You right. have to do the grunt work, like really talking to user for B2B. It is amazingly simple because you already are talking to them, right? right. For consumer okay. business, it's difficult because the volumes are insane compared to if you wanted to call them, uh, mm -hmm. but you can definitely do it in the companies that I've worked so far. Every company does it right. And that has been the core to bringing a lot of insights. Of course, as the, as the conventional wisdom says, never take their solutions, always take their problems. You figure out the solutions because you have the larger context on the product. Right. right. I think, yeah, uh, that's, that pretty much answers the question and, you know, um, sets up the stage uh, for, for a lot of people to go ahead and emulate these learnings. And I'm sure a lot of them are already doing, but for the, those who aren't, this, this really helps. Um, you know, moving on, Abhishek, one of the most widely used retention tactics nowadays is the subscription model, right? Not necessarily paid subscription, but, uh, you know, some sort of subscription that allows them exclusive content and so on and so forth. Um, it, it helps, obviously, in gaining customer loyalty. Now, in an age where pretty much every other product or service is touting um, uh, exclusive benefits or never seen before content via the subscriptions, how does a brand still differentiate itself and, you know, um, still, still have the same impact that, um, say, for example, subscription had even a year back. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I don't know if you have so much time. I had a story, but I, I think I'll keep it for another podcast. Uh, but uh, essentially, exclusive benefits are never seen before content, right? Uh, this is what how businesses think that their customer needs, right? right? But customer doesn't look at it like that. They look at, I have this use case, I want to solve it. I want to solve it elegantly. I want to solve it in the lesser cost, faster, lesser people, lesser training period, lesser lead time. That's how they think, right? They don't care, never seen content. They never signed up for your blog. They signed up because they wanted to access a case study, right? And, and Raj, like on a lighter note, like they don't, they don't, they want to become better on their own product. They don't want to uh, buy tools for sure, right? right? They are buying tools to get to that level. It's a means to an end, right? That's how they think about it. So I don't think you need to differentiate and all that. What you essentially need to do is you have a ICP, you have an ideal customer profile. What do they need? How elegantly are you solving? Are they hating an aha moment? And are they referring other people? That's what you should focus on. Don't try to create differentiating businesses because you're not then optimizing for differentiation. So a lot of signals you are picking from competition and then you're building for competition and not for the user, right? So what I would, keep, uh, I would recommend for any business, not just subscription business, focus on the use case. Can you solve the most important use case elegantly? WhatsApp solves messaging way better than SMS and right. way better than any app in the world. Right? So if they were always competing with competition and differentiate again and again, uh, they, they, they don't have a differentiation. If you think about it, they don't have a differentiation now considering every app has a messaging thing, right? right? right. What they have done is solve the use case repeatedly. Well, I think that's what brands need to do. And you can just take an inspiration from any brand that has a single use case, high frequency does a very simple thing that now we think boringly predictable. Uh, I think we can learn a lot from those products.
absolutely absolutely i think uh, the the point that you mentioned about not being too uh, too concerned about the competition and instead you know providing your users with the um, a right sort of product or repeatedly solving for those different use cases and providing a product that actually um, you know you know works and provides the user with value um, that kind of makes very much sense and uh, if if i had to allude it to something it would be similar to you know following maybe a blue ocean strategy rather than a red ocean one where you know effectively go after cutthroat competition um yeah absolutely abhishek uh, yeah matlab that that could be one but what i'm also seeing is even in the red ocean right if you're solving if the red ocean is bigger like the pie is bigger you will still have a good percentage of pie and you will still make a lot of money on the product right, right. if you don't have a blue ocean is what i'm saying Right, right, right. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think Abhishek, we can't have a discussion around retention and talk and not talk about gamification or referral programs, right? So, with consumer brands taking a very gamified approach to referrals, coupled with you know customer empowerment, uh, is this what the future of retention looks like? Um, could you could you maybe share some use cases from your experience uh, where gamification and referrals have had a big difference in a brand's uh, retention strategies? Got it. Got it. So I can't talk specific about brands because I'm, I'm not at the liberty to talk specific uh, because I still <laughs> I still have NDA signed with them. So I can't talk that directly. But what I can definitely tell you is the insight, right? Uh, the insight is uh, a lot of time people look at the referral programs of, let's say, uh, and this is largely with consumer is what you're referring, Raj. This is largely yeah. consumer yeah. house thinking about it, right? So. Uh, when you think about referral program, people think about Airbnb and Ubers of the world, right? right? But they only pick out the construct and they don't pick out the whole journey. That's the problem. So what they say, oh, they gamified it. And uh, I'm not sure if you remember, Nestevi did an interesting uh, experiment here in India, uh, which was you refer, I think, 10 tenants or 20 tenants and you get a MacBook Air. I think they did something like that. And they gamified it way back, two, three years back, uh, pre-COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, here the, the 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 insight is you need to really align good behavior so if you are giving higher incentive to a user for gamification you need to make sure that the the action that you want from them actually is a good behavior what i mean by that okay so let's say you are a food delivery app and you are giving 50% off if you refer another friend on the next queue orders now what you are essentially doing is you are creating two people who are constantly going to order because of this referral versus if you refer a friend let them sign up and i will give you 100 rupees cash back for sure even if they don't use the product now this is problematic right and then you if you gamify this it causes insane amount of money spending without actually impacting business metrics so, uh, point number one un incentivize the good behavior in uh, tag all referral rewards to a good action a friction action Friction action is a typically transaction or doing a bunch of actions to help you scale uh, and, and stick. Basically, what, what your job is with referral program is you are you have a human uh, force of action, which is going to cause uh, the user to experience the value prop. So the value prop has to be experienced even if you do that gamification and, you know, constant uh, uh, constant addition of rewards. So, yeah, that's super uh, that's super uh, important while building out any gamification. Uh, the second insight is level one level two level three and say level 10 now when you think about moving a person from level one oh sorry level zero to one somebody who did not refer anybody to somebody who referred that's right. the most difficult place to be somebody who referred somebody five times moving them to seven is easy 
because they already know how the construct work the product flow work and all of that you just have to solve for discovery who doesn't have the product yet right in their network but what what you essentially need to do is you need to move the median of number of referrals average referrals per user who is a sticky user so pick out the your existing set of customer who are retained who are using your product in the natural frequency and what percentage of them are referring how many people i think that's what you need to measure rather than saying you know how do i move one referral to 10 referral right because that will be very hard to do but moving medians will be easier to do absolutely absolutely i think uh, really great insights again there um, um, abhishek and that kind of brings us to the end of this uh, today's episode um, but here at uh, you know growth masters podcast we generally like to wrap up our sessions with a quick fire round of questions to provide our listeners i'm i'm, I'm scared i'm scared after giving all of these analogies now <laughs> <laughs> no 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 absolutely not uh, yeah i i think um, just a couple of questions you know just to understand uh, where you stand to understand you as a speaker better and also to provide some sort of inspiration to the listeners uh, today so that they can take away um, so ready if you are yep yep awesome awesome so the first one is do you have like a go to person or sort of um, you know any any sort of marketing key opinion leader or a growth or product person or anyone in general in your industry um, and and that you would like others to follow or if there is a go to podcast that you listen to or a newsletter that you follow religiously anything of that sort yeah i think i i read recently i'll i'll talk about the newsletter first i read this china playbook on substack it's pretty interesting you should definitely check it out uh i think the go to person i think it's not one person raj i think uh, let's say i have a churn problem i will go and talk to somebody in gaming because they have really figured out how to address churn i go by domain and who has succeeded so if i were to do let's say an annual frequency product i will talk to somebody at clear tax because they have figured out how to get people in march on the itr filings when people don't even remember them for the rest of the year right on the itr filing product so i go by product and domain and who has solved that elegantly any time i want to do let's say a gamification or like a like a human network related uh, feature in the product i will talk to somebody who's done maybe truly madly or tinder or bumble something like that so that's how i think about going to people and not like like making you know i don't have a one world view of things i just think okay whoever is solving it maybe an intern right you never know who has solved that problem so just go and ask awesome awesome i think that's a very interesting way to look at it um, um abhishek like moving on uh, the next question is um, if there is one product or one service that you would like to maybe grow or you would like to get involved with um, in in today's world or even in the past uh, what would that be and why yeah i i i just i have a instant answer for this i want a better to do manager okay right i i have tried every tool on the face of earth almost and i do not have a good to do manager on my phone right like i need a better one which syncs with everything i've tried everything right i just need something which tells me abhishek you are here you are doing this this is your mood this is what you should do now right if if i don't have to do what i have to work on and i've tried everything right from like putting on calendars and all that Right. but it simply hasn't worked right so something like that product i would jump i leave everything and i'll work on that product because i just frustrated with not having to you know manually have to prioritize stuff so yeah right so if any of our listeners today are working on something like that hit up abhishek and uh, most probably we'll set up something <laughs> that you guys can work on <laughs> as well brilliant for brilliant. sure for sure <laughs> 
okay uh, so moving on abhishek um, do, do you have like a favorite sort of um, streaming service or any any anything of that sort where you just go to on a day to day basis um, and, and if you feel they have like perfected the viewing experience or um, or, or or the i uh, yeah i'll say hi to everyone who loves spotify so yeah that's that's the streaming service that's that's just that's the only streaming service i use daily i don't use the netflix and others of the world daily uh, i think spotify is it's absolutely amazing awesome 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 so um same thing for food delivery or online ordering i think food delivery swiggy is boringly predictable i love it uh, i i i think i i think i i don't think anybody has and by, i by the way raj i worked at danzo right and i right, will still right. say it is uh, better uh, because it is right like let's give it to them like they have right. really solved uh, uh, food delivery and making it faster efficient uh, really well absolutely absolutely i think they've done it pretty much uh, better than everyone else like you mentioned as well um you know you still because have... i had few people yeah i had few people who have uh, gone to the uh, gone to us and used doordash and mm-hmm. when i i spoke to them and i asked them what do you think doordash versus swiggy and they said of course swiggy and they were like this is way better than even any us apps and i was like okay that that is something uh, so yeah absolutely awesome um so next one is a little bit interesting and kind of my favorite as well uh, is if you had to imagine growth and product as a superpower or a superhero who would that be and why oh okay <laughs> i don't know uh it's definitely iron man because it's not complex and it's sexy here so yeah okay Awesome, awesome. Uh, so, last one on the list, Abhishek. This is a little bit about uh, you know being hopeful and being being um, you know optimistic. Uh, once things go back to normal, um, uh, what is the one thing off your bucket list, or what is the maybe it can be a travel thing, or it can be anything in general. Uh, once things go back to normalcy and people start, you know, the crowd starts coming out. What's the one thing that you want to get off your bucket list? I don't think I have like a bucket list. I do do that anyways. I don't like keep bucket list and all that. If I feel like I want to go to Kerala right now, I'll go and do it. But one thing I'll definitely do post the lockdown and everything gets normal. I'll go to the Indira Nagar 12th main plan B and eat chicken wings, peri peri chicken wings. I think that's what I will do definitely. Awesome, awesome. I I hope you can do that sooner than later, and everyone you know gets to go out and we we come out of this much stronger and um, things go back to normalcy. But uh, yeah, th- thank you so much for taking some time out today, Abhishek, and that kind of brings us to the end of this podcast. And uh, thank you for sharing such wonderful insights and great analogies as well. Um, it has been really amazing talking to you. Um, and and I'm sure our community of marketers and product owners will greatly benefit from all the learnings that you have shared with us today. I hope it was as interesting for you. as it was for me yep yep it it is it is interesting uh, specifically what my life is happening right now and the, the analogies that i put in i think that's really interesting uh, yeah i think rapid fire was also interesting yeah cool awesome. i think i had great time uh, thank you so much raj for having me here i think it's been amazing and i i think the kind of questions that you have asked you really thought through the questions right and i think i have told you this right like the even your first approach was interesting questions so i think uh, kudos on that absolutely thank you so much abhishek um i'll i'll leave the uh, descriptions for i'll leave the link for abhishek to reach out to abhishek in the descriptions uh, for for our listeners today and um, yeah that's that's it folks uh, see you soon till then it's goodbye from me and abhishek take care and stay safe